Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is learning from the voices of instrumental trans communication. My guest is Dr. Annabella Cardoso, who was Portugal's senior woman diplomat, serving as consul general in the United States, Spain, and France, as well as charge affairs in Japan and in India. She is the author of three books, Electronic Voices, Contact with Another Dimension, Electronic Contact with the Dead, What Do the Voices Tell Us?, and Glimpses of Another World, Impressions of an EVP Operator. This is the second interview with Dr. Cardoso. If you haven't watched the first one, I recommend that you do that. It will really help you to better follow this one, and I'm linking to it right now, right there on the right side of your screen. If you uh, haven't seen it, you can click there and watch the first one. Dr. Cardoso currently resides in Spain, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Annabella. What a pleasure it is to be with you once again. Thank you, Jeff. The same here. It is a joy to speak with you, really, because you know about the subject. Your questions are interesting and intelligent. And so, of course, I like to reply to them because this is what I like, ITC. <laughs> Well, I'm encouraging our viewers to make sure that they watch our previous interview first because you uh, explained in great detail the history of instrumental transcommunication and how you got involved in the field. Today, we're going to look more at what we can learn from what th these voices are actually saying. And, and you have decades of, of experience, not only in in terms of your own conversations, but also your knowledge of other people working in the field and, and what they report as, as well. So, I think it's, uh, we're going to have a very interesting discussion. I certainly hope so, yes. I have… May I <laughs> make a remark there? <laughs> the, the, decades means two decades, <laughs> not five. <laughs> Two decades, Jeff. Oh, did I did I just say five decades? No, you did not say five. You said you have decades in the plural. Decades uh, can be two, or 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 six. So I say two. So that not that old. I mean, that's what I mean by this. Not that old. I am not. I am old, but not that old. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but you, two decades is a long time still to, to be involved in this field. It really 
puts you at the forefront. And also, I didn't even mention for our viewers that for many years, you were the editor and publisher of the ITC journals. So, you've been in touch with the worldwide community of people experimenting in this area. True, that is absolutely correct, yes. As we said in the last um, interview, I started indeed in 1998, so we are, well, it's 22, 23 years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that impressed me the most about our previous conversation was that you were able to engage in conversations, back and forth, two-way conversations, not only with entities uh, like uh, Carlos de Almeida, who who is apparently very experienced in this area and not somebody you knew personally, but also your own family members. Exactly. That, that, is tr that is correct, yes. I did with Carlos de Almeida, my main communicator. Let's say, using a word which belongs to our um, reality, the coordinator, let's put it this way, of the Portuguese-Brazilian group, which had another person as coordinator, so it must have been a double coordination. And that one was the, apparently, allegedly, the famous um, father, Landel de Moura, who was one of the precur precursors, precursors uh, of the radio, of the radio, you know, the science of radio, Landel de Moura, a famous, I don't know if he was a Jesuit, but um, we are speaking of the 19th century, I think. And so, allegedly, these two people, Carlos de Almeida from the Portuguese side and the scientist, Father Landel de Moura, were the ones who coordinated this Portuguese-Brazilian group, which is the, the group that spoke with me. Um, and then, at the time of Carlos de Almeida, as I told you uh, during our last interview, one day I asked, how are you, Carlos de Almeida? That's how I used to speak with him, very informally. And he said, I'm ready to go. That was the last recording I have of him indirect. In, not indirect, directly, I mean, indirect conversation. And since then, I never heard, I have heard of him, but I could not communicate with him directly. Yes, because... As they told me from, from Rio do Tempo, anonymously, he had, he had transited into another plane of consciousness, of existence, which is to say the same thing. And since then, I have had conversations with other uh, people who sometimes identify themselves, if I ask sometimes, not always, and give their names, but I don't recall knowing them. Maybe I did when I was a schoolgirl or whatever. I don't know, but I don't remember these voice, these names. But other times, many times, um, the most of the times, 
It's my family members, yes. My father, my grandmother, my grandparents, my my brother Luis, my, my family members. They, almost all of them have spoken. My dogs too, as I told you, with human voices, little voices, identifying themselves because as they have explained to us, not only to me, but to other operators, the communication is through thought, 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 which is then reflected or transformed into words, human words, of course, module, the only ones we understand, modulated from the radio waves, the radio waves. So, People ask, how can a dog speak with a human voice? The dog is not speaking with a human voice. She is, in this case, she, Nisha, she's, she's conveying thoughts, thoughts, which then are transformed into human speech, because that's the only speech we understand, we humans. And so I have spoken with many of my Family members, yes, indeed. Friends, also. I understand that one of the main characteristics of these voices is that they speak in very short phrases, usually just a few words at a time, not a lengthy description like I'm speaking at the moment. It depends on the communicator from the next dimension because Carlos de Almeida used, used to speak very lengthy speech, very lengthy. It could be half an hour. It could be 40 or 50 minutes also. I would ask he would reply. I would ask he would reply to me. And uh, sometimes with things that I, I, I did not know. Even, um, but my my close family members, it's sometimes it's also that type of conversation, but not like Carlos de Almeida. No, it's true. But I once ask, why is it that my father, for for instance, who speaks practically every single time that the voices speak, uh, why is it that my father? or my brother, my grandmother, my other grandparents, all of them, do not speak like Carlos de Almeida, because Carlos de Almeida is no longer there. But he must have, he must have transmitted his knowledge to them, since they are of the Portuguese group. And they replied to me very well, a non-identified voice. The voice said, his knowledge, yes, but not his experience. Very interesting. That makes a lot of sense because, of course, Carlos de Almeida apparently um, had a lot of experience. He had been there for a long, long time in terms of time, which we know do not exist in this next dimension. The knowledge, yes, the, I mean, the, the theory, but not experience, not his experience, because he could speak very well for long periods. 
and my family members. Short voices, yeah, sometimes are not so short, but then you cannot understand everything of what they say and so on. Each voice or each recording is a different one from the, from the next one, yeah. So there are lots of individual differences. Uh, you mentioned, uh, for example, in your book that when you hear your family members speak like your father, uh, it's not the voice that you remember. He identifies himself so you know it is your father, but uh, the vocal tones are not the same. Yes, because only maybe once or twice. I said, yeah, this voice um, sounds like my father's voice. Only once or twice, maybe three times, I'm not sure. But normally he says, it's the father. É João Cardoso. His name was João, John. É João Cardoso. É o pai. Hundreds of times. It's your father. Uh, Bella. They call me Bella. Bellinha. Bella. Not Annabella. But the communicators do call me Annabella. It's interesting also. And it's a voice that, no, that does not sound like my father's voice, but we understand that they don't have the vocal tract, is it? I, I asked exactly that and then, and then said, why don't your voices sound like your human voices? Something like this. And the feminine voice replied to me, uh, the voice said, you can be sure that we masquerade. They do us a sonogram. A sonogram, which is a voice print, yeah, as you know, because having this uh, channel excellent and so of such uh, high reputation and so you must, also, of course, you know what is a, a sonogram. So the voice said this, and then I thought that in Luxembourg, the famous high entity that they called the technician said the voices are synthesized. Synthesized, which is practically, this, practically the same that the voice told me, this feminine voice. They are synthesized. We, we try our utmost, uh, utmost, whatever he said, to reproduce the human voice, which means they not always achieve it. I would say very seldom they achieve it. But he said very clear, it's in all the, the Luxembourg reports, uh, the voices are synthesized. Synthesized, isn't it? Yes. So, when the, the voices told me from Rio do Tempo, you can be sure that we masquerade. Masquerade must be a metaphor, which, he, which means it's not her own voice. They do us a sonogram, a voice print. I, I mean, to explain more than this, I don't know, because I'm not there, and I don't know, that's what they say. But they do tell you quite a, quite a bit about what their experience is like on the other side. They have told me quite a bit, especially Carlos de Almeida, yes, and my father also, other com communicators non-identified because they just say, we are Rio do Tempo. One important thing that they say, which I did not mention in the last interview, they always speak of their work as a, a work of them altogether, 
all together. It's a work, it's a joint work. Let's put it this way. If, I'm not sure if, if this is the right word in English, but perhaps it is. It's, it's a, a joint work, work. They, they work all together. It's a collective. A collective, yes, jo yes, collective work. They, they, once Carlos de Almeida said about my father, we speak, uh, jointly, which, as you say now, collectively. Of course, in Portuguese, we speak all together, which means this, this, does not, it does not mean that the individuality, the, the personality is annihilated, not at all. But it means that to, at least to achieve this ITC work through the direct radio voices, which are already a form of advanced communication, so it is considered, and it belongs to ITC, not so much EVP. They, they must do it um, collectively. And a friend of mine, you know, this very interesting, I'm thinking about this right now. A friend of mine who came here years ago, she came, she was a teacher, she's now retired in Portugal. He, uh, in, in Portuguese literature or whatever, she, she was a teacher, a teacher. And she's, she's came here so that I will tell her the basics of experimenting, which I did. Then she went back home. She started experimenting. And she even had nice ra direct radio voices also, identified as Rio do Tempo, also as with me. And she told me this, which is very interesting. Once a voice shouted from the, from the radio, yeah? We are all fused. Fused. Fuse means the same, isn't it? Or connected. Yeah, connected, yes. But the word that the voice used, I, I have heard the voice. She probably sent it to me. I must have it in my computer. Uh, it's fused, fused into each other, which does not, and I repeat, because I want this idea to be clear, which does not annihilate, annihilate individual personality. On the other hand, it complements it. Because, of course, if I am together, let's say, one mind, with you and Carlos and my little cat who is not here, Cleo, and so on, I mean, we are richer. Isn't it our mind? This one mind is richer. So this applies, of course, as they say, to the group soul. Another point that you make in your book, which I found quite interesting, is this idea that the people who, with whom you communicate require permission from from some other level that is part of this collective that is responsible for this kind of electronic communication. True. That's what they have said, not only to me. From the first recorded... Um, experimenter, operator, uh, that I told you about. I think the book was published 1925 in Brazil. Oscar Dargonel, uh, Voices of the Beyond Through the Telephone. 
precious little book, of which I have the first edition. It was a gift to me from some Brazilian students who came here to give a um, to study a PhD or something. A anyway, this permission requisite is already mentioned as it was mentioned throughout the communications. I don't remember Jurgensen. I don't think I saw anything about this permission in Jurgensen, but I saw it in Rodive, in Rodive's book, Breakthrough. And then the Harfischbach, it said over and over again, Adolf Holmes and the others, and myself also, as one of the last ones, yeah? Permission from whom? People don't like to hear this here in this world. They don't like permission. What is this thing of permission? They are not free. Oh yes, they are free, but not free to, to, to make nonsensical things, I say. That's for sure. Not free like in this world. You make whatever, whatever you want and the result is what we are seeing in the planet. Isn't it? This is the result of human making, of humans making what they want to make or what they want to do, which is absolutely wrong. No. Of course, in the next dimension, apparently, I, I emphasize, apparently, uh, because I've not been there, I'm not yet there, and so on. Well, we know all this. Apparently, it's high entities, high entities who direct this more, more, more advanced contacts, like the computer texts, like the images, like the direct radio voices, who give this permission. Yes, not humans. So the permission is granted by higher beings, who apparently direct these groups that communicate with this planet as they will com communicate with other planets that we don't know of. In, in other words, what we can, what I gather from this is that on the other side, deceased humans are interacting with non-human entities of some sort. Absolutely correct. That's exactly true. That's what they say of non-human nature. Never have been humans. They have never been humans. They are of a different nature, of a higher level of consciousness. It's all to do with consciousness, isn't it? Um, and deceased humans and non-humans, as I said, it's a mixed the group soul. I mean, already this... Um, well, it's this wonderful man that I very much like, Frederick Myers, already conveyed the group soul through Geraldine Cummins, Cummins, very similar to what he said, Myers. Uh, the group soul apparently is constituted by many different beings. In our case, earthen beings of the earth, not necessarily humans, I mean dogs, trees, minerals, stones, different levels of consciousness once again, isn't it? This is the group soul that Myers described through Geraldine Cummins, and which then was confirmed by the technician in Luxembourg and, and by my own communications 
Um, they, they used to say things that to a normal human we, will seem a little bit nonsensical, but it's true and they are recorded, let, let's say. Um, uh, well, let's thank the, uh, the name of a fish that helped us in this, kind of remember, I'm sure, that helped helped us in this communication, the name of a fish, not personal name, the kind of fish. So it means the fish was involved in the communication. In this case that I remember, there are other cases. So, but this corresponds to what Myers conveyed from, apparently, from another level of consciousness. So it's it's very similar. As a matter of fact, the technician in Luxembourg said, I am using Meyer's classification, he said, to describe a little bit this story of the levels and so on, and the composition of the groups and, and etc. He said this, I am using Meyer's classification, I think this was the word. So yes, very interesting, but very difficult to grasp, grasp for people who are not in the subject, I would say. Well, Myers uh, apparently dictated this wonderful book called The Road to Immortality through the uh, automatic writing of Geraldine Cummins. And in that book, as, as I recall, he describes seven different levels. And uh, the idea is that as we evolve in our consciousness or spirituality, we rise up through these levels so that when Carlos de Almeida told you he's ready to leave, I assume that meant he's ready to rise up to a different level. Exactly. And then I confirmed that. I confirmed it all with Rio do Tempo, without names, yes? With Rio do Tempo voices without names. I asked, did Carlos de Almeida get in, or transited into the fourth level? Fourth, because uh, apparently they are in the third level. I mean, normal Rio do Tempo co communicators, including Carlos de Almeida, at the time he spoke with me. And he said, they replied, these voices replied, yes, you, co you could call it that. The fourth level, yes, because I was speaking, of course, because I had read Myers also, said, is that the fourth level that he transited into? And, and they said, the voices said, yes, you could call it that, the fourth level. And then, as I also said in the last interview, it's, uh, it's a world of the sun, but not your sun. It's another sun, and I can't remember now, but Meyer speaks of this, of this world of light or whatever he uses, but, and Ryudu Tempo said, it's, it's a world of the sun, but not your sun. It is a sun, but not your sun. Of course, not our sun. So, yeah, I'm always a little bit, uncomfortable because I know very well, this, this I have written in my books and other places, papers, Pe normal people, not, not your listeners, majority of them, perhaps not, but in general, 
people think this is all crazy, what I am saying, because they're not within the subject, not only of ITC, any subject to do with the so-called um, other dimensions, paranormal, whatever, superna supernatural, whatever you want to call it. And then they say, all oh, nonsense, that's all nonsense. Just imagine a, su a sun, but it's not your sun and all this nonsense. But <laughs> this is speaking from a very limited perspective, isn't it? We don't know all the, the conditions. Well, when somebody uses a word like nonsense, it, it is nonsense, literally, in, in that it's not part of our normal sensory experience. Uh, we only perceive three dimensions of space through our senses and one dimension of time. And you're talking about a reality that is completely apart from our sensory world. Exactly, exactly that, Jeff. It is... Uh, um we are from another, my communicator said and identified them, themselves perfectly. It was a very long communication with chants and all that chants, beautiful chants. We are the dead, we are reunited, but beautiful music. I, I'm not a singer. Anyway, they said, it, it finished like this. It was over one hour of communication, communication then, 1999, I think. They said, we are from another dimension. We are from beyond, beyond time, beyond time, beyond time. Further than time, beyond time. So, no time. So, of course, this, as you said, not nonsense doesn't make sense from our perspective, of course. It doesn't mean it is wrong at all, of course. Well, I do have the impression that uh, the whole ITC EVP movement is related to people who were technically advanced, humans, who, who were scientists and engineers who died and went over to the other side and had an interest in seeing, like Edison, for example, can they use uh, technology over there to communicate back to us? Exactly. And apparently they, they did not only, not only Edison, Tesla also communicated in Luxembourg to the Archfischbach, well, and the others that were present at their house, many were present, as we spoke last time. Uh, Mary and Joe Uphoff and uh, uh, Ernst Senkowski and Francois Brun, Ralph Dettermeyer, and so on, Andreas Resch. And yes, they, they said that these scientists worked in this communication, in this type of communication from their side. Yes. Here from our side, for instance, I'm not technical. I'm not a technical person. I'm a humanist. Never been a technical person. But I managed to get through somehow. But from my side, I put no technical um, proficiency into this. But from their side, yes, it, it seems that, that that is the case. And also, as I think I said, I think I said, they have to work a lot. I mean, it's not easy. Just the voices appear by miracle, no miracle at all. It's a lot of effort, a lot of work, as they have told me.
It's the voice of effort. It's the voice of love. Two things together. Well, you have been, I think it would be fair to say, Annabella, far more successful at uh, establishing ongoing two-way communication with these voices than most of the other people who uh, experiment in this area. And I wonder, could it be related to a past lifetime? Does it have, uh, what is your suspicion of why you've had such success? Uh, straightforward things, not esoteric things, <laughs> I think, because I don't know anything about re reincarnation, except that they told me, because I was very worried about reincarnation, because I don't like it. I don't like the concept, but that doesn't mean it does not exist, of course. So I asked, does reincarnation exist? You must know this. I've written this many times. Only when there is no other way. Between brackets, they, it's always like this, the sentences, sentences, only when there is no other way for spiritual development. Then I, on another occasion, I explicitly asked this for spiritual development. They replied, yes. Okay. So why did I, um, why do I, um, get these contacts because I'm very perseverant, yes? I am very dedicated. I absolutely love my communicators. I have immense love for them, concern, preoccupation, interest, and I'm extremely interested in the next world, worlds in the plural, maybe all this. Also because I have, as Jorgensen used to say, very good hearing capacity. So this is easier for me. Also because I speak several languages, maybe also. It's all together. So you see, um, past, past life, past life, I, I don't know because I, I really don't know. I, I'm not a person well informed in this, um, esoteric literature and, and so on, because this was never my field, as I told you. I, I am a diplomat, um, slight interest when I was a young girl and so on, and then this happened to me. But I mean, I'm not a parapsychologist. I'm not um, a person of the study of the field of the psychic... Um, psychic phenomena and so on. No, I, I have a different uh, um, formation, which is much more um, normal, much more normal. So I don't know. I don't, I know something about reincarnation. I know some of the books that were published about it, some, some. Uh, I met Jan Stevenson here in one of the Bial conferences and so enjoyed speaking with him uh, and so on. But he started, I lived in India also. So in India, I got acquainted, but not with the study of the cases, more with people who told me, well, this happened. Oh, yes, madam. Ah, this is all a story. I used to say, no, 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 not a story in my village and so on and so on. They, they will tell me about it. So, who knows? 
only God knows. <laughs> As one of my communicators one, once, once said to me, I don't remember. Ah, yeah, I remember. Because I said, Philippe, who had a wonderful contact with me, long one too, he said, Ooh, inconscient, the unconscious of God covers all. This was the beginning of one of the sentences. The, un, the unconscious of God covers all, covers all, and then continue. The rest is not so important. I don't remember now. And the next day I asked, why did Philippe say the unconscious of God covers all? I thought, I said, I said to them, I thought that God was, uh, full consciousness, not the unconsciousness. And, and the voice replied, feminine voice replied, non-identified said, so did I. She said, so did I. Only God knows. <laughs> she said, only God knows. <laughs> this was very funny because only God knows. Exactly. So only God knows. I replied to you, Jeff. So who knows? One of the things you write about is, is the idea that on the other side, they apparently have bodies of some sort. They're not bodies like ours, but then it's not as if they're just pure energy beings. No, no. True, true. Because they have told me and they have told others also, the Archfishbach included. Um, we also have a body, they told me. It's a much more... How, how did they say? It's much... Ah, yeah, I remember. It's a much more um, beautiful, much more flexible flexible was the word, body than yours. It's a, it's made of a kind of electricity, they told me. And the other day, reading um, Rainer Holbes, who, who is, he is because he still lives, now 80-something years old, um, journalist, German journalist, who followed the work of Klaus Schreiber closely, intimately, he accompanied Schreiber's work with the images daily almost. He lived in Luxembourg and Schreiber did not live far, lived in Germany. Yeah? Uh, I found in this Reiner Hobes book, which I knew of, had seen the pictures of Schreiber's trans images, but I had not read the book. And someone lent it to me. And his daughter, Karin, who apparently was the one who taught him how to experiment for the images through EVP voices, she said, and I found this very interesting, Schreiber, this must have been 1985, I am much after this, she said, the girl said, we are uh, made of electricity, she said. We are... Uh, Siamo, siamo, I read the Italian translation. Siamo fatti di elettricità. We are made of electricity, something like this. And I said, ah, you see, Rio du Tempo. I told this to Senkovsky. Rio du, but Senkovsky must have known he knew everything. Uh, Rio du Tempo told me that their bodies are made of a kind, a kind, a kind, not our electricity, a type of 
electricity, a kind of electricity. And I found this in in the book, one of the books about Klaus Schreiber and the daughter, little daughter, she was 17 or 18, which when she died, she was the first one who communicated with him through EVP, said, we are a kind, we are made, or we are a kind, I don't know about made, but we are, he's there, a kind of Electricity, or fatti di electricità, we are made of electricity, electricity, something. No, this for sure, electricity, she said, that their bodies were. Naturally, these bodies are not perceptible to us, which does not mean, as you very well know, that they are not bodies. Bodies that we cannot see, sometimes we can feel or touch, but not always. Uh, and that uh, they say they have much more beautiful, much more flexible, they said. Well, I am under the impression from uh, your writing and the writing of others that uh, there is a sense of illusion that from each level, the level below it is sort of uh, an, an illusion. Uh, for example, the Hindus you write about have this word Maya. They claim that, that the, the physical world that we experience is actually, even though it's very real to us from another level, it's an illusion. And then at that level, the, the bodies, and I've heard descriptions, they have houses you write about, they drink coffee, for example, and on the other side, that it's very real to them, but it's also from another higher level, it's an illusion. But you see, what Carlos de Almeida told me about this, the illusion was, I'm already, I am already free when he spoke that he was leaving or that he had left or well, simultaneously, I think, I am already free of illusion, which means his lower level of when he spoke with me was an illusion. And the more you advance towards the highest goal of spirituality, as you said, of fusion with um, the divine, let's put it this way, um, the less illusion, it, the less illusionary it is. I mean, you advance towards reality, isn't it? Toward reality, full reality, the truth. And this is, this is reality. And ours, as the next level of life, the third level from where they speak with me, um, it's illusion. And when Carlos de Almeida left, he said, I am already free of illusion, which means he's leaving behind illusion. And when we, we get out of this, of this jail, of this prison, which is our physical world and our body, we will get, we will advance toward, toward a step, one step more, not many steps, one step more, toward reality, which we will attain, who knows, we cannot count it in time, in, in periods of, of time, isn't it? The time is just a metaphor. But, um, 
illusion is our world also. As that other, very good, I, I liked it very much. Raymond, Raymond, Oliver Lodge's book called Raymond, he speaks about this uh, illusion and that they have houses built with bricks, but the bricks are not our bricks and so on. Of course, they are not our bricks, but they are still bricks to them. Isn't it, Jeff? So the, yeah. it, it's all also all levels of illusion. As I recall, Frederick Myers suggested that the, the illusion is created to help ease the transition as people move from one stage to another. And, and, and the illusion is created, I guess, by uh, beings who are at the higher level and they create these illusions for the benefit of the, the uh, deceased people and, and other beings, as you point out, to, uh, to help them make the adjustment. Certainly. For instance, um, they were in Luxembourg, when w one of the images that were received, I think Professor Senkowski was there when the image came, appeared on the computer screen, was a fountain of Luxembourg, of one of the gardens of Luxembourg, but with differences. Huh? And then they explain, or, or the technician, or Swedish Salter, that this was a, a way, exactly what you just said, to, to, to facilitate the adjustment of the ones who had gone from Luxembourg, from Luxembourg here, into the next world, to adjust to that new, to that new level, level of reality. Uh, and and this was a way of making it easier, as you said. Yeah, exactly. I, this is very clear there in this uh, explanation that they gave directly to Professor Senkowski, although in Luxembourg, yeah. They said this, it's a way that we have to make them adapt more easily. Which suggests that we are being cared for, that there are beings in these higher planes who, who are concerned for our welfare, for our benefit, for our, ultimately for our spiritual growth. And I know another one of the topics that you deal with, which I know many of my viewers are concerned with, is uh, the nature of suffering. There seems to be so much suffering here on this physical plane. Uh, surely a person like yourself involved in diplomacy uh, understands the world situation uh, is, is full of refugees and crises of every imaginable sort. Uh, but you describe in your writing how uh, the, those on the other side, especially those who have suffered, talk about the uh, benefit, the purpose of some of the suffering. It's not all in vain. Not at all in vain. Also, the, the higher beings, like the technician, they called him the technician, but he was a higher being. They, they just called him the technician because he directed from the point of view of technical organization, the equipment in Luxembourg. In Luxembourg, he said that suffering is indispensable. They also told me the same thing, and I didn't know at the time about Luxembourg. Uh, suffering is very important. This is what they told me 
in direct voice. And, and I, and I was very, always very worried, very concerned with suffering. I'm still am. And, uh, and I asked them, but does it have a meaning? And the reply was, it has, it has all the meaning. That's the way the voices reply. And, uh, and yes, and in the high entities, like the technician in Luxembourg repeated this many times, the suffering is very important. It is very important for collective growth, growth for growth. I would say that, um, I, uh, when I asked, because I'm um, a deep lover of animals, any animal, uh, especially dogs and cats, the ones I know best, but any animal, I said, what about animals? How do, how do they grow toward a higher level? And they said, they replied to me, through the vicissitudes, the difficulties of the natural law, of the natural law. So you can imagine, can, not difficult to imagine. These trees in the fires, the trees, the trees, which I consider beings of high consciousness, the, the eagles, the, the foxes, the rabbits, this, the suffering of these animals being burned alive. This is a vicissitude in this case, vicissitude of the natural law in this case, created by humans. So, I mean, this is also complex. Perhaps humans would realize at some point, still far away point in my view, regrettably, that this is like this, that, um, I mean, that all these actions result in the, all this terrible suffering, not only, not only for the non-human animals, for the humans also. Look at those in, in Greece uh, or in California. They are richer in California than in Greece, but the problem is the same. Isn't it? They have lost everything, everything, lost everything. And, and the, the cattle died, burned alive. I can't even think of, of this. And I get sick. I can eat, get ill, literally. And, um, so it's the same in Greece or in California, in Turkey or in Italy. The same. The, the, it applies to everybody. And this is suffering caused by humans through their carelessness through their greed and so many other things, isn't it? But perhaps I would believe that's the way it is. It is necessary. My soul refuses this thought, but I am sure it is. It's all, it's, 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 it's uh, an exercise of learning. Very difficult one. Very hard one. Couldn't be, couldn't be harder. Yeah. So let's hope that humans learn. I'm not very optimistic. I'm not an optimist person. But let's hope. Hope is always there. 
Well, I'm like every human. I'm very attached to uh, a comfortable life. I'm, <laughs> I try to avoid suffering in in my own life, and and yet the very idea that consciousness survives the death of the body uh, suggests. That, that one of the lessons is that we can endure no matter what happens. Absolutely. I, I agree. You see, years ago, it was in 2006, the fire here in Galicia, where I have this house, as I have told you, the fire that, that here, 15% of this, of this community, of this area, region of Galicia, it's a region really, burned 15%. And the fire entered into my garden. The police came to evacuate the house and the dogs and me and all that. And, and I was there in the garden. At the time, I had a, a, a maid from Mongolia, Larissa. And we were with pipes and, and the fire would fall on, on my clothes. I remember at, <laughs> it happened to be a pair of shorts that I had bought in California, by the way. And it would get, the fight would get all burnt, my, my clothes. Because the fire was there. It burned two trees in my garden. And suddenly, suddenly, this was interesting. All fear disappeared. Very interesting, I think. And I, I could only think, the only idea in my mind was fire redeems. Redeems in the, in the Christian sense of redemption, of redeems. Fire cleanses, you know. Very strange. If you are surrounded by fire, as I was, burning my clothes because it would fall on my clothes and burn them, you know. And I said, it's just, that's all I, I was not scared. I was not worried. No, no. It's, that's all that came to my mind. And there was a, a tranquility, sudden peace. And I, it was all I could think of. Fire cleanses. It redeems. And I was not worried. I was not scared. Suddenly, I had been before, just a few seconds before, but suddenly when the fire came closer and closer and started burning uh, the branches of trees in my own garden, and we were with pipes, you know, <laughs> because I live on the top of a hill there, nothing else, and uh, the fireman didn't have water and so on. And, uh, and I, then I did not worry. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Annabella, that's a wonderful story. It reminds me of a time in my own life when I was surrounded by people who threatened to kill me, and I felt an extraordinary sense of peace at 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 the time. Uh, it's it's real. It, it was a blessing, actually, and a great gift. I don't think everybody is is so blessed under those circumstances. How incredibly, ah, sense of peace. You said it, you know. How incredible that you felt it too, yeah. And you were in great danger, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, I I was uh, at at the time. Uh, but when these people saw how uh, calm I was, it frightened them, and they went away. <laughs> As a matter of fact. <laughs>
But you see, this it's this sudden. There must be, I don't know, but maybe it's a self-defense of consciousness or whatever, or it's a divine or our um, dear ones in the next level or whatever. But there is something there a little bit strange, isn't there? Yeah? That you are not in panic. I suddenly was no longer in panic, as you said. Well, Annabella, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad to have had this time with you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Jeff. It's I who thank you because it couldn't, couldn't have been pleasanter. I really enjoy speaking with you. Very, very nice because you are very knowledgeable. You are very developed, let's say, developed in all senses of the word, um, mentally, spiritually. I can feel that, huh? And so, of course, it is, it is very nice to speak with you. I thank you for the opportunity and certainly wish you all the very best. And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us. Thank you.